eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. BamaOnline.com podcast, and it is daybreak for Wednesday, July the 22nd, 2020. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com. Big show planned for you this morning. We're going to talk with Charles Power, proud BamaOnline.com alum. Charles, now a national analyst for the 247sports.com network. If you like nuts and bolts talk, where football recruiting is concerned, you're going to enjoy what we have on tap with Charles coming up in just a little bit. Some housekeeping first, though, as we get you going on a Wednesday morning. I did the old Tuesday ride-along. You can find those photos on the BOL Roundtable. Posted those on Tuesday afternoon. By the way, Tuesday on the 247sports.com network was a free VIP day. So if you haven't already... Need to go ahead and jump on that BOL and 247sports.com bandwagon and make yourself official. Come get on the team for the big win. But I had the Tuesday ride along. That took me down around Bryant-Denny Stadium where work is fast and furious these days. If you're looking for a boom lift in the Tuscaloosa area, good luck with that because I think they're all down at Bryant-Denny Stadium, especially on the west side of the stadium where a lot of the glass work continues to go in on that newish concourse level where you're going to have the new boxes and the club level on the west side of the stadium. So a lot of activity over there, continuing to work in that north end zone on the tunnel that is going to allow the players and the team on game days to go directly from the Walk of Champions into the locker room area there in the north end zone. And so all of this sort of leads you back to the question of will Bryant-Denny Stadium be ready for September the 12th if 
Georgia State travels to Tuscaloosa. So much up in the air right now. As we know, in terms of the college football season for 2020, is it going to matter from a standpoint of capacity? Whether it's BYU in here, whether it's Georgia on September the 19th, whether this thing is pushed back to the month of October for a start, I think Bryant-Denny will be will be okay. It may not be entirely done, depending on how this all plays out from a scheduling standpoint. But again, when you consider the likelihood of a reduced capacity, I think it'll be workable in terms of facilitating fans. And hopefully we have more than just a few fans in the building when this college football season gets underway. Also on the ride along Tuesday, made my way over there to the Malmore Athletic Facility, and we've shown you pictures throughout the process, that Sports Science Center. You've seen the tweets in the last couple of days from the University of Alabama football account. Really cool stuff with the locker room set up. I thought Tuesday's tweet was more of the kind that parents would like to see. Yeah, parents love the locker room. They love the flash and the bling and all those things. A lot like the recruits do, but if I'm a parent, I want to see how my young person is going to be cared for, and you got to look at that on Tuesday. But from the exterior, ties right into the Hank Chris Bendor facility with the existing weight room uh, strength and conditioning facility that is adjacent to the Hank Chris. Now it ties right in pretty much into the new Sports Science Center and an existing building that is the Malmore Athletic Facility. And then on the far end, you've got the new Sports Performance Nutrition Center. So it's really just amazing to see how that facility has exploded over the last 15 years. And really, though, how it all ties in so nicely that it looks like it's really been there for probably about 15 years. Also on Tuesday, that individual award watch list grew from the Alabama perspective. We talked about that. We did an entire podcast almost here in the last week or so on watch lists and individual awards for college football, some of Alabama's history on those fronts, some of Alabama's likely candidates when looking ahead to the 2020 season. And again, on Tuesday, you saw the Bronco Nagurski Trophy watch list, which The Bronco Nagurski Trophy annually goes to the nation's top defensive football player. The Outland Trophy is reserved more for linemen, not just on a specific side of the ball. Alabama actually, as we talked about on the recent podcast, has had linemen on both sides win the Outland Trophy in the past. Chris Samuels, Andre Smith, Barrett Jones, Cam Robinson, and then Quinnen Williams a couple of years ago on the defensive side. So when you talk about guys on this team that are showing up on those watch lists. Tuesday, we learned that where the Nagurski is concerned, Dylan Moses, Patrick Sertan II, and LeBrian Ray named to that Nagurski trophy watch list. No big surprises there. And then as far as the Outland trophy is concerned, you had LeBrian Ray and then offensive lineman Alex Leatherwood, Deontay Brown, and Landon Dickerson. Not a bad thing, right? when your offensive line has three guys on the Outland Trophy watch list. And by the way, all three of those guys are seniors. Two of them are of the fifth-year variety. And while that was some team news of note here in the last few days, 
continues to be a strong emphasis on recruiting, especially with what Alabama has been able to accomplish in these last eight or nine weeks. There is the potential for breaking news on the recruiting front, it seems, almost on a daily basis. What we do know is Damon Payne, the five-star defensive lineman from Michigan, is set to announce his commitment coming up on Sunday. You keep up with Hank South and Tim Watts, obviously, and the great work they do for us there on the website. You also understand that Kyrie Jackson, the junior college corner, Hank was able to catch up with him. Sounds as if Jackson could have an announcement at just about any time now as well. So you definitely want to keep it locked to BamaOnline.com. And we're going to get inside. We're going to go with some nuts and bolts recruiting talk coming up in our next segment. Again, with Charles Power, does an outstanding job for 247sports.com, has done an outstanding job for us at BOL throughout the years. And by the way, it is the BamaOnline.com podcast, and we would certainly appreciate you subscribing to the podcast if you haven't already. If you have, greatly appreciate that. Uh, and also, while you're there, leave us a rating and a review if you don't mind. That would help us with the old algorithm. Coming up next, though, it's Charles Power of 247sports.com, national analyst. That's next on the BamaOnline.com podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, so let's do it. Let's catch up with a proud BamaOnline.com alum. That, of course, being Charles Power, national analyst now for us there at the home office for 247sports.com. And Charles has been very busy. been back on the old stomping grounds a good bit here, Charles, with this latest run of recruiting success for the Alabama Crimson Tide, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, Travis, every, every, everybody, you know, the Alabama fans were definitely, there's definitely a little hand-wringing going on when they were, <laughs> I guess, number 47 in the class rankings. But as we have seen, you know, the, the general theme is it's, it's not a matter of if, but when Alabama makes their run uh, up, up, up the rankings. And that's definitely what we've seen the last, uh, over the last month or so, I guess, to what they're like number two right now. So number two. Um, yeah. I mean, definitely, definitely a hot, a hot streak for Nick Saban. And I think, a personally, I think it's a smart strategy. Like they were very deliberate and, uh, kind of in their evaluations and their relationship building and have really landed like a lot of top players here recently. And so, um, I mean, they're like Steve Wolfong wrote there in Alabama's in contention for maybe the top class cycle. So, um, could, could you have envisioned that a couple months ago? Because Ohio State has absolutely killed it. And I know mm-hmm. when you look at the average player rating right now, it's it's really close. I think Ohio State was still a slight edge in that department, Ohio State, with four more commitments. But is that really possible that, that Alabama, with I guess what's still out there and the numbers it still has to work with, could end up in that number one spot? It, it's possible. I think some of the some of the um the projection with Ohio State as well is kind of uh, reading their status with, with a couple of the like the top remaining uncommitted players. Like 
they, they lead in the crystal ball for JT Tuomalau and Emeka Egbuka, two five stars from the state of Washington. Um, so, so I think that maybe a little was playing in a little bit as well. I, I still would lean Ohio State as being the favorite there, but I mean Alabama is going to end up with. I think they have a very good chance, at least, of ending up with a class that has a score over 300, which to me is like kind of the mark of an elite signing class. And it's tip, uh, it, it, it would look like a typical Alabama class under Saban as like a top, you know, two, three type class, and one that's obviously really good. Now you've helped lay it out for us there on the website here in the last four or five days. This run on offensive linemen from last weekend with the Brockermeyer twins. Obviously, Tommy and James joining this class. Um, and then, of course, J.C. Latham earlier. Terrence Ferguson on Sunday joins the class as a four-star offensive lineman. And doing your research, what did you ultimately sort of figure out where this class could land in terms of just offensive linemen compared to other classes mm-hmm. in the 24-7 sports composite uh, era there. Yeah. So I, I think right now in terms of the four that they have committed, um, adding the, the Brockermeyer twins, it, it is like in terms of the average rating of each player, it would be the highest, um, offensive line class in terms of the average rating individually ever. Um, now most of the other classes, when you look at the top offensive line classes, kind of in the internet recruiting era, most of them sign at the minimum five, players in the offensive line so there's really not like a great comparison for team for teams that have signed um just four uh but most of them sign between five and seven so um you know the average the average rating of of, of the four they have uh committed right now is the equivalent of like a top 100 player uh and and that would kind of you know if you extrapolate it out if they sign you know basically one of their three top remaining targets i think it it on paper will be the best offensive line class in the internet recruiting era. Um, currently the best one is USC's 2008 class, which included Matt Khalil and Tyron Smith. Um, yeah, that'll and, work. Yeah. Two first rounders <laughs> from their backyard. And Matt Khalil was a legacy and then Tyron Smith. I know from like our colleague, Greg, Greg yeah. Biggins, who saw him in high school was like, man, like he's incredible. And Tyron Smith is one too. He actually was rated too low. Like I, he was a, like, like a, maybe a top 10, type on all the services i think espn had a really really low rating on him so he was only like 30th in the composite which was kind of like it kind of skewed his rating a little bit but um yeah i mean that that that, that's the top class on paper right now if you just kind of look at the averages um but the rest of them are really like you know alabama and georgia recent uh offensive line classes are really the top ones on, on paper like sam Pittman was definitely doing a great job at georgia and alabama's 2019 class um was really good on paper as well and you know, of course, like Saban's had, he had that 2009 class that had three first rounders, but maybe wasn't rated as high with, with Chance Hormack, um, J- James Carpenter and DJ Fluker. Um, but, but this one definitely has a chance of being pretty special when you kind of look at, you know, the four they have committed and, and what's left on the table. Yeah. You think back to that 2009 group and you had a great offensive line coach that came mm-hmm. in with Nick Saban and Joe Pendry and his right. you know, at a developmental position, um, which the offensive line sits really probably at the top of that list. I would mm-hmm. think Charles, Yep. that's still, that's still everything. And, um, but I, I, you know, I, I know you watch these guys, you help in the rankings process, uh, w- w- with a couple of the other fellas that do an outstanding job as well. But 
you know, what makes these guys so damn good then, Charles? I mean, when we're talking about the Brockermeyers, we're talking about Terrence Ferguson, J.C. Latham. I mean, what do you like about these guys? Because it is, you're projecting a lot when you talk about offensive linemen. I'll say first off, like this, this 2021 cycle, like the offensive line is the strong point of it right now like it, it appears when you're just comparing position to positions um i know it's a little bit that's kind of an apples to oranges comparison um but uh the offensive tackle group in particular is really strong like if we have a year if we have a year where this offensive tackle is the number one player in the country this would be a great uh year for that like i, I think there's just it's just the top echelon of the offensive tackles are deep and you know and Alabama has two of them committed in, in J.C. Latham and, and Tommy Brockermeyer. I think J.C. Latham, we, we talked about him a little bit in the past, Travis, when, when, he, when he committed. You know, first-year offensive lineman, uh, was really mm-hmm. a dominant player who has a lot of uh, physical upside and just, and just a natural at the position. When you, when you consider the type of team teams and pass rushers he was playing at IMG and how good he looked playing left tackle there, like – Manning the left tackle spot at IMG is like that. That is no small task. Like that's it's a school that just recruits nationally, a high school that recruits nationally, and they can bring anybody in really. And he, you know, made like gained weight, made that transition, and, and looked like you know potentially the best offensive lineman in the country that quickly. Um, so he's really gifted physically. And then Tommy Brockermeyer is a little bit of a, a foil to that. And, um, you know, he is an NFL legacy. His dad, uh, of course, was like a first rounder out of Texas. Um, just highly technical, nasty offensive lineman does not play the type of competition that JC Latham plays. And, and he missed his junior year. So, uh, he's one that we we've seen in person. We've seen at camps. He looked really good against top competition in that setting and athletically kind of hits all the checkpoints. Um, you know, pedigree, te- technicality, just a really nasty block finisher as is his, his brother as well. And his brother kind of progressed a little later um, and in, in the junior year, but we didn't get to see Tommy last year. Cause I think, I think he had like a, a torn labrum and, and missed the junior season. So he and JC Latham are a little opposite um, in terms of their uh, arc and kind of how early they emerged. Like I think Tommy Brocker might've, he might've even been like the, he was like the, the number he was a top three player at this time last year. And it's just kind of, now he's just a little bit in a holding pattern with his ranking, having not played as a junior, but um, man, those guys are, are both exceptional. And, and then you look at some of the other ones kind of at, at, at that position, like Amarius Mims, who Alabama is in the mix for, um, you know, I think he's, he's committing, I supposed to commit like, I think on August 15th, I want to say um, just exceptional. Like Amarius Mims is a guy that you see him walk in the door and you're just like, Whoa, like, I mean, he is from a stature frame link standpoint is just, like really kind of incredible. Um, I mean, I, I know like colleges that have had him on campus are just kind of stunned at how long and big he is. Um, he's a guy who is six, seven, three twenty, and probably in carries wow. just ex- exceptionally well. Um, his arms are like, you know, down to his knees, huge hands, just has all the makings. I think I compared him to Cam Robinson, but he's probably a little more actually like in terms of stature, a little more gifted than Cam Robinson was. But you, Alabama fans saw when Cam Robinson came in, just like how he was just kind of, you're like, okay, like this guy's a little different um, immediately. And Amari Smith is like that physically. And then, and then Tristan Lee is one who, you know, he's just, he's just, Tristan Lee's a butt kicker. I mean, he's got 15 minutes of video uh, of him from his junior year, just, just pancaking guys and looking really good doing it. Um, we've seen him in person as well. So those top four offensive tackles to me are, are all pretty special. And I think they, depending on how things shake out with being able to evaluate them, I think you can make a case 
for any of them being like a top five to top 10 overall prospect. We have to see how it sorts out. But, um, you know, if Alabama having two of them committed and being the mix for the other two is, I mean, that's pretty wild. You mentioned Latham and his ability to play that left tackle spot at a place like IMG. Mm-hmm. I got to think also in the evaluation process, playing at IMG, that makes it easier on you guys because every week he's probably going against national level competition, right? When we're yeah. talking about IMG here, you're you're seeing him against good pretty much every week. You know, does, he's not yeah. playing county high three three weeks and then playing a, a Hoover. He, he's playing a national program week in and week out. Yeah, for sure. I, I think IMG especially, it's it's it, it can be tougher to evaluate skill players at IMG um, because the there's just not as much year over year continuity with the offense. Like I, I think um, like yeah. Trey San, Trey Sanders didn't have a ton of rushing yards. Like he wasn't a guy. Like they're they're not playing a, a deep a deep schedule and some of their games when they do play like a lesser team, it's a blowout and they might kind of you know want to get the second stringer reps. So. It can be tougher, like with quarterbacks, receivers, running backs, but uh, the offensive line. I, I agree with you. It, it is easier to evaluate because you're seeing good on good, and J.C. Latham is going up blocking guys like Chris Braswell. Um, he's facing top competition, and it's very easy for us to follow. Like you said, um, you know they're playing ESPN games, nationally televised games. So yeah, I'm sitting in another state from them. I can go and, and go back and watch that. I can watch it live or record it and. It, you you get a really good feel for for the type of player they are. You aren't just watching highlights. You're getting to see the good and the bad. And J.C. Latham was one who was like it was pretty apparent last year. He's definitely really good. There's not a whole lot of bad to diagnose with him, especially with with his being his first year playing playing there. You know, I did go ahead and check the schedule, Charles. I wanted to see if maybe we had an IMG St. Thomas Aquinas matchup for us this year uh not gonna happen i wanted to see jc latham and dallas turner how about that for a matchup oh yeah that would have been a lot of fun. yeah that, that would have been a lot yeah. of fun but we will get to see i mean you know this is fingers crossed like I, I think we're seeing more and more of these national teams schedule each other um I, I know like for instance like kendrick blackshire who's committed to alabama the linebacker from duncanville like he's one that which really really hope we can see this this uh, fall or, or whenever they do play the season because um, he's play, playing at Duncanville. He's going to get national games just kind of across the board and especially within the state of Texas in the highest class. So I think we're seeing more of that. These top programs are kind of like are scheduling each other and it makes it it definitely makes it easier. Like Bryce Young playing at modern day. I mean, I got to I probably I probably watched eight of his games last year, you know, um, on, on TV. Sure. So so it definitely makes it easier for us. Speaking of Bryce Young, is there a Bryce Young at quarterback in this class? Is there that kind of guy? In 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 2021, man, that as it's tough. I I don't think there's one this early. Now, granted, um, you know Bryce at this point last year was he was a five star, but he was not a top ten guy. I don't think for us. I think the mm-hmm. the the feeling was with the strong senior year he would be. I mean, of course, I mean he had a he had a, a stronger than strong senior. Year. He had a, one of the better senior years I've ever seen. Um, but uh, I, I don't. I definitely think the the race for the top quarterback is 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 much more open th- than than a lot of years. Um, we have Caleb Williams. I think he's number seven right now. Um, but uh, he's a guy who has a lot of physical ability. Committed to Oklahoma, obviously. Um, it's a lot of physical ability, but you know, probably not a, as productive as you would want from your just top quarterback, or at least a quarterback that could be like a number one overall type. So um, we definitely have some contenders, but it is it's more of a 
of a kind of a deeper group kind of in the middle in terms of top 100 types. But I don't think we've had uh, a true like franchise quarterback come along. Um, you know, Bryce Young and, and DJ Uyangalale, who signed with Clemson, both finished with like a hundred. I think they were rated uh, 101 by us, like a 101 um, grade from 24-7 Sports, which is like a franchise rating. And that's kind of the same grade as Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Will there be one of those in 2021? I would say, I mean, you never know. Like, uh, it's you don't like really. Uh, it's kind of hard to predict, but I would say unlikely. Like that, that's not something we just hand out every year. Now, the guy in 2022, Quinn Quinn Ewers, who we had the number one prospect overall. Yeah. He has a, I mean, he's tracking like that type. But I mean, it's quarterback such a developmental position. It's 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 hard to say without the senior year for sure, but um, he would be my pick for for any of the ones in high school um, in terms of high school prospects that had that 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 upside right now at least. Something I meant to ask you about, uh, Tommy Brockemeyer, is the versatility aspect. We were talking mm-hmm. about that before mm-hmm. uh, the podcast, and uh, you mentioned that we kind of came up with some comps from the right. Alabama perspective from the past that you think perhaps uh, whether he plays tackle, he can play some other spots, I guess. Yeah, no, no doubt. I, I think he's – Tommy Brockermeyer's technical enough to where I think he can play really any of the five positions in the offensive line. Now, I know everybody sees an offensive lineman ranked as high as he's, and they just penciled him hit, pencil him in at tackle. But if you're kind of applying this like functionally for a, a – college team like say he gets to alabama the alabama's trying to put the five best offensive linemen on the field and i think he has he's such a high floor prospect that you could throw him in there and really about any position and he would he would be able to play and i think the, the comparisons we were talking about the guys and alabama's had several of these in the past and i think it we, talking about the type of offensive linemen that but they do well at alabama a lot of them are high floor pr- type prospects coming out of high school um, it's your, your Jonah Williams who could play right or left tackle and can also, I mean, he could play guard in the NFL. I mean, Jonah Williams could have been a, a great center if he had, if he had been asked to do that or, or wanted to be that. And then of course, Barry Jones is the classic Alabama example guy who played, you know, how many positions, like three, four positions in the offensive line. Um, so I, I think Tommy Brockermeyer has that type of potential. And I think, you know, having guys like that is, is really key in your offensive line and, uh, I think it it bodes well for him, um, you know, maybe getting on the field early. Uh, and if you were to sign, um, you know, uh, an Amarius Mims or Tristan Lee, you could feasibly put all those guys out there together, and and it, there, and yeah. there wouldn't be a ton of crossover. So it's not like you're um, gonna have to sit one on the bench necessarily if he's one of your five best. So I, I think that's definitely a, a really good um, skill set to have for Tommy Brockermeyer. Yeah, hard to beat that versatility of Barrett Jones. The guy only won the Outland Trophy at left tackle in 2011 and then uh, won the Remington uh, Trophy as a center the next year. Not not, not bad. You don't see that very often with with offensive linemen. Hey, Charles, I know something we've talked about and uh, really wanted to get your thoughts on this is the ever-changing landscape of high school football in the midst of this pandemic. And we're hearing more and more in the last few days, California going really to a, essentially a winter start and pushing Mm -hmm. back its season. Uh, Immediately on the heels of that, you began to hear, I know from California prospects and kids who are already committed to places that 
essentially their high school careers were over. They were going to go ahead and enroll early in January at their colleges of choice. And uh, I think you've got some strong feelings on that. And I think yeah. it might surprise some people because I think folks who follow what we do, and we certainly appreciate them subscribing to what we do at 247sports.com, they might think that our perspective is, oh yeah, you know, go ahead and jump into the college system in January, but you're kind of on the other side of that fence, I think. Yeah, I, I, I definitely have some some stronger feelings about this, and it's they're really kind of formed from just looking at. Um, one thing I, I try to do a lot, especially during the off season after the NFL draft, is study the developmental arcs of of the players who end up being the best players in college football and ultimately high draft picks, and the the most common through line with all of these players, and it's it's not everybody, but it's the the vast majority is most of them really peak as as seniors in high school in their, their senior year, and football is a unique sport where I think live game reps are not easily simulated, and it's not something like basketball where you can just go and get a bunch of live reps. Um, it, it's just hard to to tra- to make up for that in football and i and the senior year is one and it's such a developmental sport where you can't really get that back and a lot of times it, that the senior year is where you develop your confidence it's, to, it's where you kind of learn who you are as a player you figure out what you can get away with um and, and it's, it's just hard to replicate that now i think there are benefits for enrolling early. i'm not, I'm not really um decrying rolling or enrolling early but at, 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 if you're going to do that at, at the, you know, to, in, in, at, at the, in, and take away your senior season, um, you know, at, at the expense of your senior season, I, I think that's, that's a bad idea. I mean, there are, every situation is not the same. Um, but if we're going to kind of paint this with a broad brush, like, I think it's a no brainer. You try to play now. There obviously is some uncertainty here. We don't know, like if the season would go off as well, like you, you could maybe get it to where in the spring and it gets shut down again. Like, of course, like I think that that weighs in, but if you have the option to me of playing, uh, your senior year or enrolling early, it's to me, it's a no brainer. Like the enrolling early, uh, in my opinion, it, it is a luxury that's kind of being misdiagnosed as a necessity. But, uh, if you look at kind of the benefits of, playing and continuing to develop and kind of marinate in that high school system, which is going to be a lot less pressurized instead of jumping in and getting 15 spring practices and all of that, uh, you're going to be better off long-term as a player to play the senior year. And I, I think especially like a like quarterback, I think, you, man, like I think you have to play your senior year. Like a, a cra- crazy stat, two of the last 12 first round quarterbacks were early enrollees. And we wow. kind of think that everybody has to enroll early. The only two were, were Tua and yeah. Jordan, Jordan Love. The rest of them stayed and played like spring sports. So um, I'm, I think I might write like a kind of like a like a column editorial on this uh, by the end of the week. Um, but yeah. I, but it, it's just I, I think a lot of players are, are maybe seeing this like they don't want to maybe get boxed out of of the school they're going to, and they maybe feel pressured into doing it, or they just don't want to be kind of caught kind of caught in the lurch of of the the schedule, but uh, I think if you look at this just from historically and, and how players progress, it, the smart thing to do is is to ideally play your senior year. I mean, hopefully, I, I just hope for everybody that, that they get to have a senior year. It's not. It's definitely. It's easier for us. It's easier for the colleges. But I'm speaking mainly just from a developmental standpoint. I think uh, 
for most players, uh, the vast majority of players, it, they would be better off playing their senior year of football for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I know, and you sort of touched on this and yeah, there is the uncertainty. That's where you can kind of understand yeah, it more for sure. because if you're a kid in California and they're saying, well, we're going to push it back to December, January, a start, you get to December, January, and there ends up not being football anyway. Right. And you feel kind of double crossed on that a little bit, right. but I mean, even in non-pandemic times, I know you feel strongly about kids just finishing high school traditionally. And if they play basketball, they play basketball their senior year. Mm -hmm. um, finish those sports like baseball. You're you're big on that too. Yeah, I mean, th there's definitely a lot of crossover with that, and I think just developing, you know, your overall athleticism, um, and it, I, I think it it definitely helps. I, you know, it's it's I, I just think that. You know, enrolling early definitely helps for some, um, but uh, I, I I think it's it's not it's not a necessity. I, if it's something you want to do, like more power to you. But it's not um, it's not something that, that I think it's gonna really. If you don't enroll early, it's not gonna set you back long term. And uh, I, I think if you're a player who is coming in at a position of need and they really need you to get you in and and kind of learn um, in, in the spring and kind of get you in that situation great. Like I, I think for sure, like you should do it. Um, but, but it's not, uh, I don't think it's a must and there are benefits, um, from, from hanging around and, uh, you know, playing, you know, playing basketball, running track. I think there definitely are benefits from that. And it's something we, we continue to see, but just, just to kind of circle back on that point, Travis, I, I, I don't think you necessarily, I, I players are kind of rushing to just kind of come out and say that they're, um, they're, they're not playing their senior year. I, I don't think like, I think you can take a wait and see approach to this. Like if we get to November and it's not slowing down and it's, it looks like we aren't going to have a season, then, then that, that that's, it's a completely different situation. But like we're sitting here in, in July and we really, I don't think anybody knows how yeah. this is going to unfold. So I, I would, it's not something I would be rushing to make a declaration on either way, you know? So I, I but um, hopefully everybody can have their senior year. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, I just, I feel pretty strongly about kind of that development. And when you look at it, I, I know a lot of the players are, um, they've been recruited for a long time. They want to get the process over with. They just, all right, like I just want to go to college. Like I understand that mindset, but I think there's a lot of benefits from, from, uh, holding on to high school as long as you can and, and continuing to develop before you hit the hit college. Um, and, and, and being as good as you possibly can when you get to college. Cause I think that's important as well. Um, in, in kind of, uh, coming into college as, as developed and as ready as possible. So you can kind of hit the ground running. Yeah. Total overall maturity perspective, yeah, right? you know, and we always equate it or oftentimes too many times we equate it to physical, mm -hmm. everything physical, but, uh, you know, the emotional, the mental, uh, all those things are, are huge, no doubt about it. And, um, and you're, you're you're really only talking about a couple months as well. Like you're talking yeah. about, you know, February, February, March, April. I mean, a lot, but most most players are enrolling. Um, even if they're like summer enrollees, some of them can get in for summer one, like in like or like the the May semester, like in May. So yeah. it's not like it's not that big of a difference. You're basically just going through, through spring practice and you're getting to lift weights. So, um, yeah, it's interesting because I think. We we view quarterbacks more from the early enrollee perspective because it seems like more and more are doing it. 
But then you throw the stat out there like you did that two of the last 12 first rounders were early enrollees. Yeah. And uh, that definitely flies in the face of maybe the the perception or the narrative that, you know, these young quarterbacks got to go ahead and get in there. And, mm-hmm. and that's not to say a lot of them aren't pretty much ready to jump into a college program and go through 15 spring practices and and do those things. But um, perhaps it isn't the 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 be all end all. Right. Yeah. We've, yeah. We've built it up. It's to just be. not it's just not quite an assessment. Like if you're if you're. Bryce Young and you, you know, Bryce Young probably wasn't going to be doing a, a, a ton this spring and he's going to compete for the starting job for sure. Like, I think it's smart to enroll early, but, um, if, if you don't, aren't for sure going to be a, you know, a starter or, um, playing other sports and like, I, I don't think there's much wrong with it. Now we've actually seen some of those guys that were like, uh, you know, summer enrollees end up starting as, as freshmen uh, by the time their season's over. So everybody's different. I think that's kind of one of my main takeaways. Like everybody's different. There's a lot of different situations and rationale you can use, but uh, I, I definitely think it the, that's being painted as a must when it's definitely not. If you look at, you know, kind of how it's panned out with players in recent history. So Charles, with this disruption of the of the high school football season, or at least as disjointed as it appears it's going to be across the country. How's that going to impact you guys in the rankings process of these players? Because I know it's ongoing. Um, uh, it, 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 it's, it changes from time to time. The top two, four, seven, we have uh, rankings updates is looking ahead with, with what we don't know right now. How is, how's that going to project? How is that going to work maybe for this upcoming football season? Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be tough to, uh, figure this out. I mean, it's, we're kind of talking about it a little bit now. I, you know, I I think you maybe have to look at if the season's played in the spring, we'll probably have to push back the final rankings. I mean, I shoot, I don't know if we're going to have how signing day is going to even be with, with this recruiting calendar. If coaches are never going to be able to go on the road or we're not going to have official visits. Um, so I think that's something to maybe look at, um, I think right now we're kind of in wait and see mode in seeing what kind of football we're going to have, um, you know, this fall or, or this winter or spring. Um, you know, I, I think that's kind of where I'm at right now is, is seeing, seeing what, what kind of sample size we're going to have available, what kind of exposure we're going to have. Um, and if we don't have a tr- traditional season, what we have in place of that. I mean, I know like, for instance, like, like the opening is, going to be doing like some like digital combines and stuff. And of course I think we're going to continue to have some more events. Um, but if we don't have football, like, is there going to be seven on seven still? Like it's, it's, it's so, um, unstable and kind of unknown right now. I think we're just kind of taking a wait and see approach to, to the 2021 cycle. And right now we're mainly, I think our next release is going to be the 2023, which is the, the rising, uh, the, the rising sophomore. So it's going to be your, uh, your Arch Mannings, uh, is who we're going to be talking oh, about. Oh, Arch one. Manning. So, Where's Arch so, yeah. Manning going? Go ahead. You can break that right now. For Man, that, Arch Manning is going to have a fascinating recruitment because, uh, I don't it, know it if there, opinion. I don't know if there will have been anything like it. Um, there might not. I mean, the best comparison for this might be like LeBron James's son. Who's also yeah. same, same age. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. 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 So, I don't know. It's going to be, I mean, if you're just kind of handicapping his recruitment, I think <laughs> you're looking at, you're looking at LSU as in-state school. Um, they have a 2022 
quarterback committed, uh, Walker Howard, but they don't have a 2023. I mean, the, there are many 2023 quarterbacks committed, if, if any, right now. But, um, of course, I mean, I wouldn't sleep on David Cutcliffe at Duke. Uh, the family yeah. has connections there. Uh, Ole Miss is one that you're, you're always going to throw around with him being uh, Cooper Manning's son and Archie Manning's grandson. Interesting at Ole Miss, like I, with Lane Kiffin being there, and they kind of run a – uh, I w- what I would call a very non-pro style type offense um, with with Jeff Lebby running kind of the Art Bryles offense. So I don't know how the Mannings would kind of mesh with that, like philosophically, if you just kind of look at what they've done, you know, historically there. Um, so man, it's going to be fascinating. I mean, Tennessee maybe because I, Tennessee kind of runs a cut, more of a, cut's a pro style. The, cut's been the common denominator with the Mannings to this mm-hmm. point, right? Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. with, and, with and, both Peyton yep. and, and, uh, Eli, and I Eli. mean, Tennessee and Ole Miss, and that was it, cut. It, they go to Duke and train. They were going to Duke yeah. and training with him in the off season every year. So I, mean, I, would, up. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't sleep on that. I mean, I know people would look at, I mean, Arch Manning is fly. I would imagine. I mean, he's gonna, he's tracking at least is probably going to be a high, a pretty highly rated recruit. So I mean, it, you don't think of Duke automatically, but I wouldn't sleep on that relationship there. Um, I would, think he probably would go to a school that runs more of a pro style type offense just based off of you know the the pedigree of that family um but uh man it's, it'd be very interesting recruitment to track and i it would be one that i would think would uh is definitely gonna um bring a lot of traffic to 24 7 for sure like over the next couple of years like because everybody's going to be wanting to know what's going on there tebow like back <laughs> in the day Charles remembers that. I might have to put, we might have to put a countdown clock. Bring the countdown <laughs> clock back. Yeah. Oh, well, Charles, we'll let you get out of here. Always great stuff. Always a lot of fun catching up with you. Always great work for the 247sports.com network with the player evaluations, the analytical work that Charles does for the network out of this world stuff. Hey, Charles, take care, my man. Sounds good. Thanks, Travis. There he goes, Charles Power. That's going to do it for a Wednesday edition of the Bama Online podcast. Travis Schreier, thanking you for joining us here. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.